Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. I want to let my listeners know in Rhode Island on WPRO that this show is now rebroadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. on the Health and Wellness Channel. So you can always hear it at the time that you had listened on Pro, and it's also uh, broadcast on iTunes and Stitcher and housed on Voice America in, in perpetuity. So it, it's a wonderful network with wonderful programs, and this is our 15th year on this program. Today we are talking about the Holocaust in, in a positive way, as positive as you can make that subject, with a terrific woman. Her name is Hilary Salk, and she is the author of the book, Eavesdropping in Upper Margo, and she'll correct me in a minute if that wasn't right. We're going to discuss her novel, which draws on her experiences as an American Jewish girl living with her parents in Germany three years after the Holocaust ended. This book is based on the Obermagergau community in Germany, where every 10 years the Passion Play is performed with all actors of the community. And so the book's revision will anticipate this Passion Play 2020 when it will be performed again. Welcome, Hillary. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I will say the word for people. It's very hard. Obermagergau. Ober meaning over. Amr is the name of a river. Gau means river. Ober, Amr, Gau. It's t- tough because, you know, I, I run into this a great deal. <laughs> o- Ober, Amr, Gau. Right, you got it. Okay. All right. So that's the name of the book. And the reason that you wrote about this child, in the, is that the town that you were in as a child? Yes. yes, it was. There was a post there. And it is so ironic that when... I lived there, I had no idea that the Passion Play was anti-Semitic. My parents did not seem to know. They brought me to the play. I didn't stay the whole day. It is an all-day affair, and uh, I didn't love it, and I was very young. Uh, I was, in 1950, I was eight, so, uh, you know, it, it, it was a wonderful experience to live in Oberammergau as an American child post-war. But when I read in, 19, in 2000 a book uh, that, that uncovered for me the truth of, of the play, I, I felt I had to write. Yeah, it's very interesting. I want to share this. I lived on the coast of North Carolina for many years, for about 15 years, and the Passion Play was very big there. And I remember I went for the first time. I'm also Jewish, and so I really never knew the story. I never really, you know, knew the story the way it was told. And so I went to the Passion Play with my friends who were Christian, and I kept asking them questions, Hillary. And I remember one of the women looked at me and she said, you don't know this? How how could you not know this? <laughs> and I said, well, I wasn't taught. I wasn't, I mean, it's the entire story of Christ. And it's fascinating. But um, again, I saw it as, you know, as an adult in my later years. Very interesting. So I understand what you're talking about. It is yes, completely yes. the opposite. Well, it, 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 it yes. I do want to make clear that I totally respect people who are Christian and who don't see 
what we, I didn't see as a child, what apparently my parents didn't see. But then as you become more mature and you recognize that even in the Gospels themselves is the root of a lot of the anti-Semitism that has happened over the 2,000 years since, mm-hmm. since Jesus. But one of the most important things for me is to also say that this is not just the story of that. It is the story of uh, people who lived and loved in Oberammergau during the time that I was there and before I was there. So it's it's really a novel. It has some, it has many personal things in it, but by and large it is a fiction. And I hope that it draws people who are interested in reading a fiction, a historic fiction, as it may be. But could also be useful for people who want to introduce children, not young, young children, but let's say at least, you know, 12 or so, to, to the truths of the Holocaust, because it, it was something that this little girl who speaks the novel, who eavesdrops on what she discovers about the Holocaust and about the Passion Play, it, it, it it allows a child to identify with that little girl who hears about this post-war in the safety of her family, in the safety of, of post-Hitler time. Yeah. So I, I, I really want to emphasize that it isn't just a polemic at right. all. How much did you know at that age? Now, it was three years out and you were very young. How much did you really know? Well... I cannot tell you that I knew very much, but if I may read one small section which is based on what I learned, I would like to do that. It's not a very long section. Do you think that's okay? Sure. Go right ahead. Okay. This is on page 93 in the novel. I was still awake when they came home from the film. My mother came home came into my room to check on me. My mother's face, I'd never seen her face as stricken with anguish. Now, this is based on reality. My mother and father went to the American base right there in Oberammergau and saw a film that was uh, the film taken by the Germans during Kristallnacht. Now, Kristallnacht, for those of you who don't know, sometimes called the Night of Broken Glass, was the night when many, many Jews all over Germany and Austria were attacked. And it was like a shock because it wasn't, even though there had been lots of anti-Semitism promoted by Hitler, there hadn't been anything quite like this. Well, here is the truth that my mother that my real mother came into my room and she looked so terrible. So to continue from the book, Mom, what happened? The film, I never, how could they turn like that on their neighbors? They broke in without knocking. They smashed everything in sight. You could see the people taking pleasure in their destruction. For a moment, she was silent as though she thought she shouldn't have let me hear this since she shouldn't burden me with her dismay and disgust. 
She put her hand over her mouth as if to stop her words. Mama, Mama, what? My bubby. They dragged a woman from her house. She had no clothes on. They pulled her by the hair. She had long hair, like bubby. And they dragged her over the cement, her pussy. They let it scrape across the cement. I will never forget this as long as I live. She looked just like bubby. My my always smiling, always happy mother seemed crazed. She pulled at her own hair. She beat her chest with her fists. Her face contorted as though she was in physical pain. There is more to this, but I'm going to just tell you that I have been thinking about this this actual reality real memory that I have, which is really a third-hand memory, but somehow I can see it like it was yesterday, and I can almost feel like I see the film that she saw, and and this is something that I have learned from going to hear a woman speak who, who has written a book on post-memory, mm-hmm. and she suggests that we who have heard the stories of our family, maybe not even of our own family, but other families, which stay with us when we, when, when we are children, and then later on come back to us as though they are our own memories. And she has given me the language for that, to call it post-memory. And my book is filled with exactly that, post-memory. In the and form of it, a novel, basically in me? the form of a novel. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, not all of it is post-memory. Some of it is complete fiction, total fiction. I'd never experienced yeah. it. But I, I can draw from many, many things in my life that, that were not necessarily... Sorry, I want to ask you a question because I think, you know, I have talked to a lot of Holocaust survivors and authors and have been active with this in my own community in terms of remembering and commemorations. What are the lessons that you think you've learned, you know, from writing this book, from being part of it as a child and being exposed to this in another country? Um, What are the lessons and what is it you would say to your children and grandchildren? You know, what would you say to them about life? um, Well, I, I, I have been working on that right now. And one of the things that I've come to realize is I don't regret that my mother exposed me to this when I was eight years old, even though I was very, very young. And it has stayed with me. And it maybe did haunt me a bit. But I feel that it was actually something that gave me my values to a great extent. And and to understand that we can't let those kinds of things happen without standing up. We cannot be silent. And that is one of the things that I think all of us who, who remember the Holocaust in whatever form we remember it will not forget is to never be silent uh, like, like the German people who really were friends they were friends to the neighbors of who were Jewish, and they didn't do much. But yes, they were frightened to death. But you know that is that is probably the most important thing is never, never so, to let these things happen 
without speaking out against them. And, and, and in today's world where we see uh, things happening, to speak up as well. I mean, yes, would that absolutely. Be now more than, more than ever with the way that, you know, people are, are castigating what's mm-hmm. happening with, yeah. with the dreamers, for instance, who really are, by all rights, citizens of the United States. We should not ex- exile those people. There are people, for heaven's sake. And also the, the, the separation of children from from the people who are trying to come to this country, and you can't blame them. Uh, it has been a haven in the past. Uh, you know, we we can't be silent about that. And I think that's one of the treasures of being a part of a people who have this terrible, rather recent memory, really, when you think about it. And I, and I know that one of the reasons I'm so eager to talk now more than ever is that so many of the survivors are are now dying off. Yes, the people who were 10 years old in 1938, when this happened, many of them were able to get out. I know some of those people. But, you know, it's it, it, they worry. They, they do worry that after they go, there won't be... Question. That's why I think when Steven Spielberg did his documentary and interviewed so many survivors, I, it's one of the things I really thank him for because he captured a lot of those stories, you know, that we, yep. that we have today. Now, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're talking more to Hilary Salk, and let's see if I can pronounce this correctly. <laughs> Her book is Eavesdropping in Omer Amergau. And that is a town in Germany. And this draws, uh, this is a novel which draws on her real life experiences as an American Jewish girl living with her parents in Germany three years after the Holocaust. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Stay tuned, folks. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. 
We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Well, hello, everyone, and we are back, and we are back with Hillary Salk who is the author of Eavesdropping in Omer Amergau. And this is a town in Germany. And she's discussing her novel, which draws on her experiences as an American Jewish child living with her parents in Germany three years after the Holocaust. The book is based on the Omer Amergau community in Germany, where every 10 years the Passion Play is performed with all actors from the community. And uh, we're talking to Hillary about the novel. Welcome back, Hillary. Thank so you. How did you create the novel? Obviously, all of this from your childhood was in your mind for a long, long time. So, how did you, if you will, cook up the novel? How did it okay. all? Okay. Well, I I had always written. I'm a journal writer. I kept a journal from age ten uh, because I had read the diary of Anne Frank, and Anne Frank became very real to me because I wrote my diary to dear Anne, and in the beginning of my my book, I dedicate the book to three different souls. One is Anne Frank, my perpetually young friend. One is my mother, Ruth Berger Ross, always present for me. She is gone now, but she may as well not be. And my grandfather, Hyman Berger, whom I never met, yet speaks to me, and he becomes a character in the book. And I am so excited about the fact that a grandchild who never even knew this grandfather could create persona and feel as though that is really and truly their their grandfather that they knew. I did change the name, uh, but he does come from the United States to visit the family in Oberammergau. And that was not possible because I'm named after him. And of course, he, being a Jewish child, I was named after a person who died. But he has always been very real to me. But the the story is that one day I was reading the book review uh, of of the New York Times in the year 2000, and I picked up this review by a man named James Shapiro, uh, who wrote a book called Oberammergau, The Troubling Story of the World's Most Famous Passion Play. Well, I read the book. And as I read the book, I knew I had to write my book, and I didn't know how I would do it. Ultimately, what I did do was take a true historic character that came from this man's uh, piece of history about Obramagal, that there was a Jewish man who had converted to Catholicism, who had been born in Munich, but came to Oberammergau during the 30s. 
And he lived there until Kristallnacht, November 9th, 1938, when he was attacked. And at that time, he was attacked by a few uh, uh, Nazi kids, and he was then taken to Dachau, and that was not a concentration camp at the time, but eventually it became so. And many, many Jewish men were taken on Kristallnacht into various kinds of imprisonment. Mm-hmm. He then was able to get out, as many of them were in those early days, if they could find a way to pay their way out and get someone to take them. He was able to go to England, but he came back after the war. Why did he come back? That was the question. I had to write this story so that I could figure out. He didn't know why. I mean, you you kind of made it up on your own. That's right. I will not tell the people who (laughs) haven't read the book why he came back. Because that is really the real plot of the story. But the way that I came to that plot was by identifying totally with this man's story. I changed his name. Hillary, I want to ask you another question because when I, I've been thinking about this during the interview and this whole idea, it's almost like a dichotomy. You know, on one hand, you have the, 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 you know, the Jewish piece of this, and then the other hand is the very Christian piece with the Passion Play. I mean, right. the Passion Play is all about Christ, how he lived, how he died, all of right. it. Very beautiful play to watch. I mean, it's 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 really stunning, particularly when they bring live animals in. I mean, it's 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 stunning. But the point, the question is, what? How do you put these two together in your own mind? And you know, when you talk to people, I mean, you have you know the Jewish and the Christian in this <clears throat> town. How do you um? How do you sync them, or do you? Oh, boy. That is a great question. And it is something I'm very aware of, because I am very, very close to people who are former nuns, former priests. Uh, I, I love them, and I respect what they have gained from being really enamored and 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 believe that Jesus is God for heaven's sake. I do get that. And I don't want I didn't want to resist that as I think I was brought up to do because as a Jewish child you don't get the story. If you do get it, it's it's sort of edgy for you because it's a little bit painful. And what I did do was to identify with this this uh, Jewish man who became a convert, and I made him convert, not because he was afraid of being a Jew in Germany uh, during Hitler's time. No, not because of that, but because of some very good reasons, one of which was that he had lost his mother and his neighbors were very religious Catholics and took very good care of him. Uh, and, and, and understood his loss. And he also actually confessed to the priest about something, maybe we shouldn't mention it, but it was masturbation. And his friend, who was the Catholic, said, go, confess to the priest, and he will forgive you, because, of course, this boy was also feeling guilty about that. He did, and the priest recognized 
that he was a very sad boy because he had lost his mother. And that made him cry in the confession booth, which he needed to do. That I made up. I made that up, and I don't know how I did that. But as I wrote it, I cried as though I was that little boy who was finally recognized as having lost his mother. That made that boy feel at home in the Catholic Church. That made him convert. And something you just said, you know, when you were talking about the Judaism and Catholicism in that sense, you know, this whole thing that you said about going to the confessional, you could, that that story could happen, you know, in uh, religious Judaism, because there's a, uh, you know, the Orthodox Jews have that same feeling about this. So Mm -hmm. there's similarities there, is what I'm saying. Yes. Well, of course, we have Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur, we, we ask for forgiveness, not only from God, but we ask for forgiveness from one another. And it opens you up to, 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 to confess what wrongs you have done in a year's time. I've experienced, a, you know, occasionally a, a real a catharsis as a result of that. But, Hillary, but this, you, go ahead, go ahead. No, you uh, ask. All right, right. What would you, um, thinking back on all of this, because we have just a few minutes left, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I mean, what's your message in all of this for people of all different faiths? Well, of course it's to recognize that we cannot stereotype. It is essential that even if you think that there are people who are, on the whole, not nice people, you have to realize there are not, you cannot do that. There are, there are individuals, even within people who we think may be all evil. That's not possible, in my opinion, any more than it was possible for, for Jews to have been considered, you know, the way we have been considered over the years. Uh, you know, his blood upon us and upon our children. That lesson has got to be learned. We must never stereotype. And one of the things that is in the beginning of my book is something I learned from the man who wrote that book on, on Obramagao, which as Jews, we must not carry on an anti-German feeling yes. that we, yep. m- we might do. Yep. Because of what happened not so very long ago. Yeah, that's very good. All right, how can people find your book? Tell us how they can find it. How can they contact you if they'd like to write to you or hear you speak? I, I, uh, the book is on Amazon, and it, it can be ordered from any bookstore because uh, though it is a, a book I published without a, a separate publisher for myself, it, it can be ordered through any bookstore. I encourage you to do that because I like bookstores. But Amazon has it. And then you can go on to my website, which is, um, <laughs> let, me, let me look at it because it's, it's Oberamagau. It's got Oberamagau in there. So you need to know how to spell Ober, O-B-E-R-A-M-M, E-R-G-A-U novel2020.com All right, Hillary, it it was wonderful to have you on the program. It really was. And um, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. 
Yeah, okay. All right, stand the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition. Uh, We'll be back on uh, in the next few minutes, so don't go anywhere for our next interview right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. I'm Patricia Raskin. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.